0: If you want to actually know what's happening in abortion clinics around the country, if you heard about the babies, five of them found at a D.C. abortion clinic, full-term children, some of them dead through partial birth abortion, if you want to really know what's going on, if you cannot turn away because you think this sounds crazy, and it is, but it's happening Join us for today's show. You do not want to miss it.
1: Welcome into the program, everybody. This is Alabama Unfiltered, your favorite podcast. I am one of your hosts, Scott Beeson. Amy Beth Shaver is with me. Allison Sinclair is with me as well. Ladies, how are y'all?
0: We're great. good. Good. I'm
1: very excited about today. Which one of you wants to introduce our guest who is already... Ready in the wings.
0: Allison, that's more professional. I'm
2: super excited. Today we have A.J. Hurley who, um, I don't know, do you do you know him from the healthcare worker that got kicked out of UCLA Medical Center for not getting vaccinated, my personal hero? Absolutely. Do you know him from the story of um, saving and finding um, the five – full-term babies that were found behind the Surgy Medical Center in Washington, D.C., and um, I think 110 first-trimester babies as well. Um, You probably know his hands holding those babies more than him. Um, Or also just accosting Elizabeth Warren for really good reason last week when we had you on the podcast. I think we we connected with you right after that. Wait,
1: wait, wait. That was AJ?
2: Yes, yes. This
1: this guy? Yes. Yes.
2: But he looks so nicely
1: good. suggesting things to uh, Pocahontas. No, yeah. he's so,
2: he's so nice. He does it. He shares the gospel in such a great right. way. And I think you have an amazing story, but I don't even know where you came from. Like if you Google you, <laughs> where, did, where did you come
3: from? If you did Google, you? Google your aliens, name, you course. get all
2: kinds of like really great activists, like amazing things. But where did you grow up? What's your story? Like, how did you get here? And then we need to hear about your week because I hear it was crazy.
3: Okay. Yeah. So I grew up in a little town called Upland, California, about an hour east of Los Angeles. Um, Yeah, I just, I grew up there. I was homeschooled for my whole life until college. (laughs) And um, uh, geez, I I became an EMT out of high school, started working on an ambulance. Then I went back to a little town. Uh, Christian College called the Masters University, John MacArthur School. Graduated from there, uh, studied like liberal studies and biology, music emphasis and um, minor kind of in music. And I then uh, went to respiratory therapy school and worked for seven years at UCLA until they uh, kicked me out of there for for not uh, not giving them my my papers. So. Um, yeah, I've always been pro-life and especially when I started, uh, doing work with these little babies at, mm-hmm. at, uh, so respiratory therapists, a lot of people don't know, like we, we manage that life support breathing machine. And so I started doing that, just putting these little babies on ventilators. And, um, I worked in this pediatric CT, um, congenital heart anomaly kids mm-hmm. that would come out of the NICU. And some of these kids, like. 21 weeks on we're putting these babies on ventilators and saving them and then um you know literally across the other wing they're taking 24 week old babies and dismembering them and it, just the discrepancy between those was just mm-hmm. unbelievable to me really and so I was like man I we we got to get more involved so we started doing pro-life stuff and here I am God, God's province, just, oh man, I'm, you know, next thing you know it, I'm, you know, yelling at Senator Warren. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> I know, but, but let's Which, go, let's well go done, back by in the time. Way. Yeah, it was good. Let's go back in time a little bit, because uh, I'm always fascinated. You're talking about working at the hospital there at UCLA, and and y'all are yeah. saving little babies mm-hmm. at, at an earlier age than where they're doing away with their lives across the hospital. We're, I always want to know, are there ever conversations with the people on the other side where you just calmly are like hey yeah we saved uh we had five you know 20 24 week old babies this week and is there ever a connection made because i've never really spoken to someone who actually does abortions carries out that horrendous act i just wonder if the light yeah. ever goes off did y'all ever have any of those kinds of conversations
3: well, you know, it's a completely separate uh, wing of the hospital that where that right. stuff goes on. So, no, like, you know, okay. that's in the OBGYN, like, division of a particular aspect of the hospital. I actually don't yeah. even know who does that at UCLA. So, right. in the UC system, they have something called a Ryan Residency. And the Ryan Residency is this program that specializes in training abortion. Um, mm. And so, uh, particularly up in San Francisco, is the abortion training late term abortion training uh hub of the entire world they train everyone there pretty much that is uh getting trained in late term labor mm-hmm. induction abortion that type of procedure is getting trained at ucsf under a, a woman named eleanor dry so we've been really trying to try, um expose what's going on there and they've uh really come after me recently to, to in reference to that but that's an old whole nother another story so um i don't know if you want to eventually well, go there but
2: i do uh, want to touch uh, on which... it because again in researching you there's just little blips out there but with this program of training of late-term abortion um doctors w- there's some sort of contract or something that happened that you're gonna have to fill in the blanks where someone contractually was obligated to provide two full term we just lost him
1: he might can still hear us he
2: might can still hear us right. so but
1: but like i want to ask if he, if we get back and maybe y'all know the story um even the, the being fi- fired for not taking the vaccines right is a huge part of his story that, that yeah. hopefully we'll be able to hear um and i found it fascinating one of the articles i looked up was he had been taking care of people because of being a respiratory specialist there's aj you back he's
3: back S- sorry about that yeah that's okay
1: Oh, we might sorry, lose him again. Was, there he is. There we go. That
3: was all about, sorry about that. I forgot to put my phone on. Do not disturb.
1: So. <laughs> oh. <Uh-oh.
2: laughs> uh, and I bet you're getting disturbed a lot these days. <laughs> yes. But what I was asking, um, we just talked about you while you were away. We'll get back to that. But um, there not there some sort of contract with the hospital to provide two fetuses a month, two babies a month, full term, to be able to experiment on? What, what was that story?
3: Yeah. So that's, that's only one contract. So how it works is the NIH, um, you might have heard of this division of the NIH called the NAID office, uh, which is mm-hmm. Fauci's, uh, mm. Fauci's division of it. Yeah. So they, mm-hmm. this year alone, will provide, uh, I believe the number is $87 million of our taxpayer funded money to uh, um, fetal organ research specifically. So how it works is uh, institutions, uh, research facilities like UC, UCLA, UCSF, they will apply for federal funding for their grants these for these, uh, uh, for these uh, research projects. So that two elective fetuses per month, that was only one research contract. They have, I don't even know how many, um, every year it changes, but, um, and that's why we know what they're doing and how they're doing it is because we actually, we just look at these research contracts that are released through FOIA requests. And in Mm. those research contracts, we just read, and it spells exactly out. Uh, how many babies they're supplying for each research contract, the gestational ages of those children, and the organs that they're targeting that they need for these research projects. So the one you're specifically referring to was two elective uh, terminations of 18 to 24 week gestational uh, age children and targeting the livers and thymuses of those children. And they were grafting them on lab uh, mice, believe it or not, because they found if they can basically take the uh, thymus glands of these 18 to 24 week old gestational children, they can graft them onto lab mice and give these mice a humanized immune system. So when they test their pharmaceutical drugs or they test their vaccine, um, Mm. you know, vaccine stuff, they can determine exactly how whatever uh, modality or whatever medication that they're doing is going to affect the human system uh, human and um, human immune system by text, uh, just basically experimenting on these mice instead that have been humanized. So every time you hear humanized mice, um, and that's that term has mm-hmm. been all over the place. If you're paying attention, that's what we're talking about is uh, mice that have been humanized by uh, fetal uh, livers and thymuses.
0: How long have we done this Frankenstein type research on these precious babies?
3: Before Roe, actually, so um, we used to get the the uh, the organs before um, over uh, in in Europe because before Roe it was obviously illegal to do this. So uh, in the '60s, '50s, and '60s, we were we were involved with fetal. Fetal organ uh, trafficking and fetal organ harvesting. Uh, the, even the so far as the University of Pittsburgh was involved in this back in the day, also. So if you go to, um, you know, I don't know if you've heard of the name David Delighton, he's a personal yes. friend of mine, but uh, he exposed this back in 2015 when he went undercover with all the fetal trafficking stuff and got these plain parent executives to all admit uh, undercover and then under oath exactly what they're doing in labor through labor induction, inducing women into labor, withholding the euthanized drug that would normally kill these babies because that drug digoxin that kills them Mm -hmm. in a normal labor labor induction abortion, that drug destroys and nukes all the stem cells of the organs that they need. So they purposely withhold that And then these babies, uh, uh, by their own research, if you withhold digoxin, these babies are coming out alive up to 50% of the time and either are left to expire or who knows, um, I dare say, suggest that they, they, some of these, depending on the organ, have to be acquired within minutes or else, you know, the tissue dies, so.
0: Hmm. I mean, I, there, there are some I'm things like, that I just
3: wish I, I mean, didn't know. So, yeah, so th- you thought this was going to be a happy program. Today. Well, right. <laughs> no,
2: Amy Beth is actually adopted, and I have two internationally, I'm about to cry, two know, internationally adopted say. children. So, this is very, it's tough.
0: So, yeah. it's, um, don't make fun of us. Girls. So, it's no, happening from the 50s Tomorrow. and 60s. Uh-huh. And the, you know, so there's the how, and but how also has it gotten, how have we gotten away with this for so long i mean thank god for david for you for exposing what's happening mm-hmm. um but right here in the united states only a mere few years ago when i found out that they were these these situations happening you talk to people and they're like oh babies aren't born alive they don't do these kind of horrific right. things to right. these children you're just a conspiracy theorist that's mm-hmm. crazy you know meanwhile you look up and you find out that they were powering california um, you know, using babies as fuel to heat buildings and, and, you know, wait, wait, wait. This is in Maryland.
3: This is in Maryland. Maryland. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: In Maryland. Wait. Okay. Yeah. We got to stop. Time out. Time out.
2: Yeah. I, what?
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, so what she's referring to is, so when we uncovered these, uh, this box of, of 115, babies coming out of the abortion clinic. The company that was picking the, this up was a biomedical waste company called Curtis Bay. Uh, and Curtis Bay and another company called Stericycle have been involved uh, for decades with this stuff. But um, if you go to projectweaklink.com, you can uh, you can find more about this. But basically, what they're doing was they're a biomedical waste company that uh, specializes in their incineration and through the process of incineration they're using that combustion and converting it into electrical energy for the dc and baltimore area so this company curris bay was going around picking up biomedical waste and in this case had contracts with all the abortion clinics around the dc and baltimore area and we're taking the fetal remains of all these children coming off of these abortion clinics and using them Literally, their 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 corpses for the combustion to create energy, uh, and by by means of bio you know bio electrical energy for the DC and Baltimore area. So uh, abortion is is people think it's just this political aspect. No, like abortion and the blood of children is ingrained in every institution. Um, it literally. Makes the world go round. It's involved in com- pharmaceuticals. It's involved in cosmetics. It's involved in biomedical waste. I mean, we could do episodes and episodes of, of of how abortion and the blood of these children are being used uh, and exploited uh, for the mm-hmm. financial proper, uh, the profit and um, and gain of of not only legislators, not only um, you know executives but uh you know every even the common
1: Amy Beth you, you were bringing up something that that I would love I don't know if AJ's back or not but Can you hear me? Yes, yeah. you're back. Yeah. The and, and AJ is for you too. You're
2: upside down or you're sideways. The
1: the fact Jeez. that um there, there has to get. be thousands and thousands of people mm-hmm. who have known these things are going on for decades. Right. And some of these stories what y'all just brought up and some of the things I mean, I've I've heard of of some of it over the last few years, but from the '50s, do you, do you get what I'm saying? I mean, right. how how is it that thousands and thousands and thousands of people could know that we've been running all these experiments, trafficking baby parts from Europe and all this kind of stuff, and and we're and we're hearing it from AJ. I mean, in 2022, I mean, think it's about business.
2: that. It is the total, like all I can think about is just the total depravity of man. Like This is almost unbelievable, like to sit there. And th- if you really think about that, Baltimore and the DC area are being supplied electricity through Right. And, and I'm sure the company
1: said we're going to incinerate anyway. Why don't we make power off the incineration? But, but it's just the whole sick. idea. That is I like know the Roman
2: Empire, right? Just
1: you would think sick. somebody said, me. "Look, we, yeah, can, yes. we can we can do a lot, but let's not do that, guys. Can't we do That's something right. different?" It's you, nothing, you would just think
2: nothing sacred. I don't. I don't even think life is right. to these people anymore. Obviously, um, and it's just it's overwhelming. It really is. So, but. AJ, how did you find, so you, you grow up in a Christian home, I'm assuming you're homeschooled. And so you have, um, this faith and that probably informed your decision to value life. How did you, 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 okay. You get kicked out of UCLA medical center for standing up for your, your life and not taking the vaccine. Then how, at what point there's, there's this group, which to me is super cool because Ideologically, it is the total opposite of what you probably are. It's the progressive anti-abortion uprising group that mm-hmm. um, if you look, their website is super interesting, but it's really yeah. a progressive Democrat, the uh, the opposite, it's the liberal opposite of the Christian yeah. conservative side okay. fighting for anti-abortion pro-life. See, I thought it's, you misspoke. Yeah. No, it's totally so it's a bizarre. Liberal.
1: But they're pro-life.
2: But they're pro-life. I mean, if you pull up, okay, so like their founder, this is her, this is the team. Um, And Teresa is an atheist, an animal rights activist, and a feminist. She founded and assisted with many organizations, but decided to find, to start PAAU because she understands the need for protecting the unborn from members of her own party and knows better than anyone else that the Republican Party alone cannot end abortion violence. I mean, I'm all for this. Like, I just think this is great. And that's what it's going to take is the other side realizing the value of life and getting back to that. But how did you get, because I want to lead up and kind of talk about how you, because they're the ones that you went to the surgery clinic with, correct?
3: Yeah. So, okay. yeah, and, you know, and I, I get... I get flack sometimes for, for working with progressives in this area. And I'm, I'm very careful about how I do that. You know, I only work with progressives to end political matters. So, you know, if, if man, if I'm, if you see a woman, you know, being raped in the street, you know, I don't care who you are. If you want to come help me stop that ha- from happening. Right. right. Correct. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have you come right. preach at my church. And I'm not going to probably have you come preach at my prayer or just, you know, pray at my prayer rally. But, um, so the, you know, uh, Francis shaper talked about co-belligerence, and he used the example when you know when your your water main breaks in your street, you know you don't ask the denominational lines of those people who who want to come help fix it. And so, uh, if you, so, in this regard, I've I've gotten to know and work with a lot of people who are uh, in, in this super liberal state in California, uh, mainly uh, because the church has abandoned mm-hmm. fighting in my area. So mm-hmm. if I was to wait for my church, I got into this because my wife and I needed help out in West Hollywood at the abortion clinic. And I contacted the five pastors within a five mile radius of here. And all of them, one of them gave me the grace, the grace of a response and basically told them we don't have time. I mean, I bugged them. Wow. They just don't care they don't care. And so my, we got involved full steam ahead, working to, to end this political evil and bring shed light and expose this. And I looked to my left and looked to my right and the other, the other people who were already working on this were, were, were progressives. And so it's been amazing to get to know them, to evangelize them, to, to Mm -hmm. have conversations with Mm -hmm. them, to be friends with them. And honestly, you know, they're going to hate me for saying this. And I, and it's kind of tongue in cheek that I do say this, but when, you know when the bullet starts flying and and they find a a a box of 115 babies and they don't know what to do. Even even the feminist will will look for for a man to help. You know, and so I that's why I was mm-hmm. I was there just because they needed an older brother kind of figure to like mm-hmm. be there and support them during this time where where they they were obviously very traumatized. So, um, yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. I I. Teresa originally started in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. We've been—that's uh, the the fetal tra- trafficking hub. That's how I got to know her. She's kind of worked alongside survivors to end this uh, and go after the UC Regents. Yeah.
2: So set go back and how did they? Because the two was it Teresa and Lauren that were uh... and Lauren,
3: yeah, okay, Lauren Handy.
2: So, yep. so how did they connect, like how did they know to go look for this waste truck? How did they, and tell our listeners, because the surgery Center, from what sure. I've done, is like the elite where the all the politicians send their mistresses yes. to have abortions. Mm. It's kind of like this, yeah. the hub. This is
1: the high dollar. So set
2: up, yes. set up like a the spa. clinic, set up Lauren really? and, and Teresa and kind of how they got into that situation and then how you're. Hands got in all those photographs. Sure,
3: sure, yeah. So, for those who don't know what we're talking about, a box of 115 aborted children were found in D.C. outside of a Washington Surge Center by an abortionist uh, who had murdered them by the name of Cesare Santangelo. Two of my friends, one of them used to work for Survivors, the organization that I'm at. She was there for a number of years. Her name is Lauren Handy. She's a Catholic girl. And her and Teresa now kind of run POW, this group, and they moved to DC. They go out on almost a daily basis and do sidewalk counseling, offers, offering you know, literally life-saving resources to these women who are at, at risk for uh, abortion and uh, her, her children are at risk for abortion and try to curtail the underlining uh, reasons as to why they end up there. And so they were outside the clinic and this just resource giving resources, counseling women about to go inside a a truck pulls up from a company named Curtis Bay. Um, and if you do this long enough, it's not rocket science. Yeah. You know, mothers go in and babies eventually come out. And so it's been known for a long time that, that these, boxes that are coming out of these facilities you know they can't flush them down the toilet uh, because that's a health uh, safety code violation mm-hmm. they used to throw them away in the trash can and, and, and through, through the history of the pro-life movement pro-life have been going into the trash can and pulling these babies out and giving them dignified funerals and and burials uh, but so this truck pulls up unloads three boxes of aborted children the driver of this box or the the driver of this truck knows nothing about what's happening he uh you know he was just obviously just doing a job exactly (laughs) they tell him and by god's grace he is just very visibly upset over this whole matter and they convince him to let uh them have a box to to give these babies uh, a proper burial. Uh, and so they took this box back. Inside was 115 uh, aborted children. 110 of them were first trimester babies, and five of them were late term, third trimester, almost full term children. One of them, Christopher X, was literally, I mean, this big.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So um, they, they, at that point, we, called us we were in new york at the time outside of margaret sanger Planned parenthood we took a train met them uh basically processed and photographed all these children videographed them made arrangements strategized how to com- come forward and delivered the the children over to uh dcpd
2: so i'm looking online i'm sorry y'all jump in but i i just no
1: i'm just listening now i,
2: I mean i'm looking online at um you call it powell paul yeah Okay. okay, if you go to their website, PAAUNOW.org, and you can click on Justice for the Five, if you scroll all the way to the bottom, there are these tiny little blue-like cups. It looks like what you'd get a side mm-hmm. of your salad dressing in. And They're Dutcher cups, yeah. Those are babies.
3: First trimester babies.
2: And there's a ton of them. And then you see a box, and you see the back of the truck, and then you see a box with a hazardous waste bag, are those your hands that are picking up the?
3: Depending on the photo, yes. Yeah. Um,
2: I mean, then you can click on each of the five babies that they named and see photos of those babies. And I, I'll i cry again, but it is so impactful. And I said the other day when we were talking about Roe v. Wade and we did a podcast on it, like, I can't even bring myself to watch the abortion videos. Um, Mm -hmm. I have friends that have. And I feel like everyone, I'm watching these nasty TikToks and these people that are, you know, did you see the TikTok where the lady's standing in front of a group and they're like, and ladies, if you get pregnant, you go have that bastard sucked out, you know, and everybody in the crowd just cheers. And I'm like, you don't know. You have image of God. I mean, it is so powerful. I don't know how you are not radically changed by that moment, which has led you to be so vocal to stand in the crowd. I was looking at the not the be article where they had the videos of you um, just being pummeled and everybody yelling at you. And you just saying, God loves you. God loves, you know, like there is redemption, there's grace. And I don't know how you've done it, but for whatever reason you are here and it's ordained. And I want to look at Lauren and be like, you know, that was such a God thing or, or Teresa, like for you to be there just when that truck shows up and just Mm. for anyway, for a moment such as this. And
3: I, and I've, I've, I've talked about this before. Um, after, so when I held those babies, the first thing that I did, um, was basically run in the other room and wept profusely. But the first thing that came down into my mind was i wrote down the words i will never be the same Mm. and um it's just true uh when people asked me what it was like to hold those murdered children and um it was very strange because for the first time in my life i was looking at this you know innocent child who had never done anything to anybody um you know, probably the purest form of, you know, he hasn't, hasn't lived a life of sin yet at this point, you know, obviously we are born in sin, but, um, it was, if it was just a tangible representation of evil, even though I was looking at a pure image mm-hmm. of God, you know, so it, that discrepancy that, um, uh, contrast was just it was weird my brain couldn't handle all of it because Mm -hmm. it was just like at once dark demonic piece of pieces of an undefiled image of god was in my hands so um yeah to say that 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 changed me is, is an understatement. Um, and I was very pro-life before, um, and very anti-abortion before, but I can honestly say to all of you that abortion is the most vile and demonic, despicably evil thing that anyone could ever do or support or engage in. Um, and I, I will do nothing, I'll stop at nothing to, to, to end it. So,
0: yeah. And I think, First of all, we are grateful for what you are doing because so few people are doing it. Um, I, when you see it, it does change you completely. And I'm wondering among all of us, do you not believe if you are able, I think seeing these precious children who have been murdered is the argument in itself? Because how do you argue that you should be allowed to do this.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: How can you look at that baby Christopher and say, yeah, that's okay? Right. Yep. And yep. I don't know how you can. And so, do you recommend that if people are able to, my mother in law is very strong. We talked about this last night because she knew you were coming on. She was like, I really believe people should be made to see this. They yep. need to see what they say they support. What do you think about that?
3: Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, abortion victim uh photography we call it AVP it is very controversial um but every there has never been an, a civil injustice that has not ended that has ended without AVP from the holocaust to the civil mm-hmm. rights act in the 60s to uh Emmett Till to, I mean every single civil rights violation without if you turn on your TV and you go and you and you hear about the war in ukraine they are showing you victim after victim after victim and for some reason when we show the victims of abortion in all their uh, graphic detail uh we don't want to show those but it's the very if i'm convinced that abortion will not end unless the victims are seen because it cuts through all of the euphemisms and lies that we have told ourselves to let this keep going. And when you look, it, it reminds you of what you know innately being an image bearer of God. We know innately, Romans 1 says through the creation of this world, you know, the invisible attributes is everything has been clearly seen through the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. Mm-hmm. And so uh we know it innately, but when we see it, it cuts through all the BS that, that uh, the world is trying to uh, sell behind all of this. We have to see the images. We have to show the images. We cannot be afraid of the images because it's powerful and it changes lives. So people, dozens of people have come to us and said, I saw the images and the videos of you holding those murdered children, and I was pro-choice before but not only am I pro life now, but now I believe in supernatural evil, and I believe in hell, and I think people should go there. Mm. That's how powerful they are.
2: Ooh.
1: Wow. No, really, is is fascinating, and and I, um, I know you were aware of, and, and ladies are. We've seen images, pictures, or well, I guess we start with drawings mm. that that show what happens during an abortion, and then somewhere along the lines, you see some photographic evidence. Um, and then you, AJ, actually seeing the children had to be light years worse than even the even the photos. So it's like the more truth we see, the 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 stronger it is. I had a friend years yeah. ago who had to work in a, a local hospital, and and by whatever circumstance, he had to do some laboratory work on aborted little babies. He didn't know, you know, he didn't sign up for that or whatever. It just so happened. And he told me years later that he still had nightmares from time to time from just having to take a tissue sample because yep. those little babies were right there. And in mm-hmm. the reality of what it was, he said, he you know, he knew what it was, but to actually see it or mm-hmm. be whole, you know, right there was just more than he could take, frankly. And I don't, I don't know if he still has nightmares, but, but I do think you're right. A lot of people in our country don't, understand the reality it's like it's some weird it, that's over there i don't really know what it is kind of thing yeah. and and we have to wake people up i think
2: i think it's a self-preservation thing like aj when you were talking about when you went in the room and your brain almost couldn't comprehend like mm-hmm. the reality uh-huh. of what you're seeing it, 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 there's something in our heads in our souls that just wants to disconnect from that because yep. it is so evil and it is so Protective. overwhelming. Um, and, and it's like, tr- I mean, traumatic, you, you look at a lot of kids that have trauma in their lives or even adults, you know, they just, something shuts down. Right. And that's what happens for most Americans. It's like, I, it's so heinous and overwhelming. I just set it over here. Mm. Um, yeah. But we have to start getting it. In front of people and i think right. the time is now with the roe v wade yeah. possible overturning so what's yeah. happened in your life since then you said you had kind of a crazy week i'm sure it's been crazy yeah, so, since then
3: yeah so um so after this thing with like justice for the five of these five babies so we we took these five babies and delivered them over to the medical examiner well dcpd there's a lot of uh lies and stuff that were told about that i mean uh, yeah, so that that's besides the point. but um, we delivered these babies to <clears throat> DCPD, these five babies because they had overwhelming, in my opinion, prima facie evidence of, of partial birth abortion and infanticide. Um, so there's two federal laws that uh, have been uh, have gone through um, and been legislated upon to protect uh, late term, uh, abortions or late-term children in this country. The the partial birth abortion uh, ban, what um, <clears throat> by uh, by Rick Santorum, and then also the uh, Born Alive Infant Protection Act. So, the you know the Born Alive Infant Protection Act m- makes it a felony to you know not render medical aid to a child that has been survived an abortion basically so uh, i could go through the evidence i'll probably spare you guys because it's super gruesome but um there is definite evidence that at least one of the babies was a victim of partial birth abortion Mm. and uh at least four of the other children were born alive i'm sorry three of the other four were born alive Uh, so one of the babies was still in its amniotic sac Totally undisturbed amniotic fluid inside of the sac, um, and just totally purple blue inside the the sac. It's called it's a rare rare abortion, rare birth called an in call uh, abortion or in call birth. Whereas the baby is expelled so quickly uh, through the through the process that it doesn't even. Uh, the The amniotic sac isn't even perforated. So the question is, how in the world do you perform a late term abortion and without perforating an amniotic sac? because normally they would you you could just cut the cord or clamp the cord, right. but you would have to get around the entire child without perforating the amniotic sac with those surgical instruments. So most likely what happened, as this baby was delivered in call in an auto amniotic sack, the clamp cut, uh, the cord cut and clamped and it just left to, just left to die on the table, table somewhere. So
2: it's, weird, it's NSA. It, it
0: could be,
1: I didn't even know there were some of these things. I didn't know that. I just, I've always been fascinated with who does these procedures.
0: So, you know, when, when my dad and and my husband were in medical school, the people who were trained in abortion were looked upon as ones that, especially in my dad's day was in the early seventies. You didn't even really want to talk about it because it wasn't concealed, considered a worthy field. And it's obviously right. right. Um, but now we've grown to the point so bold in our sin that we have a whole wing, a whole center dedicated to training people who do abortions. Um, I also know now that they're working towards allowing um, not just doctors, but nurse practitioners to be allowed to do this. Um, and so I think it's it's something that no one wants to talk about. We will do anything to cover it up. you know. Under the, we'll, we'll keep sinning in the darkness because who's going to see it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and bringing it to the light is shocking because it doesn't make any sense. We don't see it like this is the first time in a long time we've seen pictures of human children that I know how he knows it was partial birth and it's disgusting and I won't say it, Um, but if you want to know, look it up. Um, But this idea that we're bringing it out to the light is what has to happen for this to end. Because what I want to know, because we do know that the aborted babies are in their, you know, their cells are used in vaccines. We know that Mm -hmm. they were used Um, just for COVID, for example, in a few of the uh, COVID applications. But do the women know? Are they signing a waiver that allows them to say that it is okay to perform experiments on their dead children? I would argue they probably
1: don't even know what all they're signing.
0: Yeah, I don't think they do. like when you
1: get a mortgage.
0: Because that's what I'm, I'm like. How do you sign over? Let's just... This is bad, but let's make it better. Let's help humanity. This right. is the
2: worst part of what he was talking about, that this is business. And that's why they are fighting so hard against overturning Roe v. Wade and and because they are making money profit off these babies. And that is so disturbing, so disturbing. And I wouldn't be surprised that they don't go out and literally prey upon vulnerable.
1: Well, they may pay. You That's may, exactly you may what I was saying. It's by, like buying a vote, being the person to come at the right time for the harvesting, and and, and right. those sorts of things. And I don't even want to think about how much they might pay for.
2: Right. And then, honestly, people making investments.
1: I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know.
2: So what is and, and the thing is that we're talking about California and we're talking about Washington D.C. Planned Parenthood is right down the street from here. Yes, it mm-hmm. is. like this is happening in Birmingham, Alabama, and we allow it, and our government
0: pays for it. Right. I mean, they do, and they built a beautiful new Planned Parenthood clinic. By the way, right? It only opened up less than a year ago. Um, they may be suspended right now, but yeah, supposedly we know, right
1: now they're not. You know, actively performing. Right there.
0: But horrific but, things sorry, have but happened. Guys, but it's how okay. Do you, but how do you need to know kept going. with
1: people who break the rules, bend the rules, willing to do this? You don't know what what they're doing, what they're not doing, but they uh, they have made a huge investment right here in Birmingham, Alabama. And then you've got the you've got the other one, uh, the clinic in Tuscaloosa, that, right, that and is in Huntsville, running. yeah. I mean, so this is not just in those other states. These are no, things it's that right are here happening right here. And then our legislators, I, I, AJ, I hate to jump in real quick, but our legislators. Yeah. The the lady, what's her name, Collins, Collins, who sponsored arguably the best anti-abortion pro-life bill in the country, within what one day, two days mm-hmm. of backpedaling, finding out that Roe v. Wade may be overturned, says we're going to, have to go back in and make, and it make some make bill. some exe- exemptions. Well, it's, how, it's, how do you even get there? Last week, last year, the year before 2019, it was victory lap, victory lap. Look at us, we're great, we're great. Oh my gosh! And you know what? It's exactly what we talked about mm-hmm. on the program. When I said, there are some of them going, oh God, I didn't really know that this would ever possibly happen. I was just voting for it because I thought it would never,
2: And I thought it looked really matter. good on my reelection campaign. Yes. And they are literally bartering with human lives. Mm. Is AJ, we were just talking about how, you know, in our discussions, it's one thing to talk about Washington, D.C. or California, but literally right down the street from us as a Planned Parenthood here in Birmingham. And that this isn't a, Mm. across the country issue. This is this, these things, there's a truck coming to Planned Parenthood in Birmingham. That's going to do the exact same thing that happened in DC. So. Absolutely. mm. So I I I don't know
3: where you left off. I, I, sorry about that.
2: It's okay. It's um, when you're trying to do good. um, Evil doesn't want it out. So I'm
0: so yeah. used to this. So I I have a question, and it's is it's this: um, Do the women who have these little ones, you know, they go in the clinic, they take the life of their unborn. Do they know that Stericycle or the other group is going to pick their babies up and take them to a lab? Have they signed up for this when they agreed to have? you know, an early or late term abortion.
3: Most of the time. No, no, they just sign a general form that uh, gives them, you know, permission to use their children. And it goes something like this, like, Oh, you know, do you want to uh, donate uh, the, the remains of, of this, you know, the product of conception to Mm -hmm. uh, medical research. So something good can come out of this, you know, this horrible experience or, you know, so this, the amount of consent that they have, informed consent, has has actually been been something that's been legislated against because these these women do not know what's mm-hmm. happening to the, them and the extent of of their you know their loss and what it's what's happening. So and and in a late term abortion, right? So most of these contracts are happening in the second or second trimester, and so. A labor induction has to happen then. And a lot of times women are given a sedative also, you know, to, in, for, for the labor induction to happen. So they probably remember very little of what happens, uh, during the whole procedure and, and what they do with the child after anyway. So. Mm.
1: I, I mean, so I have a question for everybody do cause, cause I've always thought that women have been allowed to, especially younger women. That they really have no idea what abortion is. I mean, they've bought into the whole unviable or inviable, whichever one it is, unviable tissue mass kind of thing. Not mm-hmm. really a child, product of conception, like AJ was saying. And and the reason I yeah. thought that was because they fought so hard, the industry fought so hard on against things like women's right to know, just or or being able to show here's the sonar of mm-hmm. of what is inside you. And they just went crazy yeah. about it. So I will, I've always been convinced that a lot of women really don't know that the that the public relations, the propaganda has been so strong for so long that they there's yeah. just a total disconnect from reality.
3: Yeah, some women don't. I think, you know, it's hard for me just to, to, to fully wrap my head around that argument because by sheer fact that you're going into an abortion clinic, you know, you're pregnant, you know, Right. so this idea that women just think there's just this clump of cells. Obviously, there are women, right? There are women, and I don't want to take it away from that. There are women, there are young girls who are dragged there against their will by their parents who are told that what's inside of them is nothing yet. I mean, so there are obviously victims. And, and, you know, I think that the parents in that regard or the boyfriend, if they're, they're under psychological or emotional or physical duress, you know, pimps take, you know, their prostitutes under in sex slavery and to have the, their, their child ripped out of them. And so those, those people are, are generally victims, but Honestly, uh, if you spend any time in front of an abortion clinic, you know very quickly that women know exactly what's happening and it's mm. deplorable and, and just unbelievable the stuff that I'm told. Um, you know, many women know exactly what they're doing and they're unashamed about it.
2: It's almost become a... A badge of pride or honor it's very disturbing um if you if you hear some of these like at the in front of the supreme court um if you watch the videos and i saw you had the chest camera on i saw it from several different angles just their their lack of i don't want to say shame but i don't know of any feeling almost remorse or or Awareness or yeah. compassion, there's nothing. I mean, it's the most bizarre and it and they really think they are on the right side. Um, it's it's weird. Like to me, it's almost like the scales, like there's there's some sort like of
1: spiritual aspect. Just there's kind. a
2: very spiritual yeah. aspect to what we're talking about. Um, and I feel it more yeah. and more as kind of And we
3: have to be very careful too, because um sorry to interrupt. I no. um, but you know, especially as Christians, right? So the level of culpability obviously is varies based on the woman's knowledge. And and they have the abortion industry has lied to women and telling them that this is a clump of cells and all that. Obviously, with the medical advancement and technological right. advancement with three D ultrasound five D ultrasounds now, women know it's in the womb, but but we have to really, especially when it comes to legislation, we have to understand that if we are saying with biology that what's in the womb is a human being, a full and whole human being from conception, and we believe that, then we need to start acting like that and start treating uh, abortion and unborn humans as equally valuable. If we say that we, that we believe they're equally valuable. We need to start treating them as equally valuable. And I hear a lot of rhetoric of, of trying to victimize women and not push for penalties abor- for abortions. I understand that a cultural shift needs to happen. Whereas and as believers, we know that part of the job of law is to be a tutor, right? So the law is a tutor to lead us to christ so the law informs the conscience the law was not ri- written uh, for a righteous person but for you know an immoral for those who you know uh their parents and for uh slanderers and you know so so the job of the law god's law is to inform the conscience of society so we should work to produce the type of just laws that is consistent with what we say is in the womb. So in other words, Hmm. if we say what's in the womb is just as much a human as you and I, we should be consistent in saying that there should be no difference in how we treat somebody who murders an unborn human than somebody who murders a born human you mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I would hope to think that that you know we could at least be that consistent if we are say we're pro-life that if we say that what's in the womb is equally valuable then we should treat we should treat it as if it was so you know wow yeah, he's That's right
1: about thing. that I've uh, never thought about that because we run and we that. run and hide when someone says you want to punish the mom you want and I'm like mom what are you talking about Mm, mom yeah. with, mama, with who, mama, what? Right. You want to punish the woman? You want to punish the woman? And they did. They do that. They did it to right. us when we were in the legislature. If anybody even thought about yeah. there being a penalty for the person who had the abortion, not just the person who performed the abortion, they just melted down. Yeah. And, and most of the legislature, I, I'd never really thought about the argument that way. But that's the, that's the philosophically true argument that you're laying out there, AJ.
3: Okay, but say for that- sure, and and go ahead.
2: Well, I was just going to say, and we touched on this last week, and I can't remember, I think you were being chased down and had to go. At some point we talked about, you know, if we're going to be pro-life, which means anti-abortion, it also means being pro-caring for these women and these, I want to say children, because there are young girls that come in Um, for them mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Like we as believers in the church have to step in long before – Um, even the baby is born, you know, if we're going to care, we have to care. And so there's a whole other component to it that I don't, I don't know if the legislature or or even um, our side, the conservative side have thought about like, this is a huge undertaking. Yes. And, but and there we, are people standing
1: are. ready. I mean, they, well, they have are. been ready and they've been doing those things for the people that they've, the ladies that they've talked out of it. So I think but, the, but if you the think infrastructure about, is there.
2: But how many babies are aborted every year? Okay. In if those Alabama, abortions, you, you hope you can go back and you can get better birth control and better preventative. But if right. you can't,
0: We have millions of babies that we now have to care for. Right, We do. And so we have, and I sent an article, and I'll make sure and include this in the show notes, but there are several, actually, um, and AJ, I know you will know the numbers better than I do. I used to know them off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. We have probably 2,400, there's crisis pregnancy centers. There are adoption agencies. There are pro-life volunteers, There are um, groups that stand by, and they're by the hundreds, sometimes thousands, but we outnumber the amount of abortion clinics to what we say we do. So we are, there are out there, we are living it out. Go ahead, AJ, I'm sorry.
3: Sure. So there's, there's, you know, there's a safe haven law in every single state where a mother can drop off a, a child at either a police or fire station with no questions asked, no paperwork signed, and give that child up. Right now, as we speak, there is there are thirty-two adopted parents ready for every single person in foster care. So when you hear that this this idea that the foster care system is overrun and there's not enough people, and it's it's first of all it's not true, and second of all, um, a, when you hear of people that can't, it's because a lot of times they're giving time for the the parents of these children that are involved in drugs or anything to clean their lives up be- before mm-hmm. just delivering them over so there there is an overwhelming mm-hmm. amount of resources available, adoptive families um, to the pro-life industry is just unbelievable. I mean, every single case that I've come across where a woman needs help, I mean, we have not only helped her, but showered her with tens of thousands of dollars, not only goods, but helping them out with rent, helping that the the pro-life industry, the pro-life is overwhelmingly ready Mm -hmm. And we've been doing this for 50 years and the rhetoric um, from the other side that that we don't care about life and that we don't we only care about it it was born is just such an incredible lie from the pit of hell. And Mm -hmm. we we have just a network of thousands and thousands of of, of pro-life holistic uh, holistic organizations that not only help the woman. But help the families. So you know, and I like to joke around and say, you know, next time you know you're you uh, are hear the this um, rhetoric that that pro life people only care about when you when you're born. Go to Planned Parenthood and ask them for diapers, formula, mm. a crib, rent assistance, and and money. Um, and they will laugh at you. But when you, if you go into any pro-life pregnancy clinic or any pro-life um, crisis center, that is exactly what you will find. So it's just full of lies and rhetoric, just to just you know, because they have one solution. It always mm-hmm. involves violence. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just the pro-life industry and the pro-life organizations and the movement is just does not accept that as an answer we care about the mother and the child we care about families we care about reconciliation and and restoring bringing the gospel to bear also and restoring the the mother and the father and 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 the children you know that that's the, the whole thing with with what is isn't that the promise is that he will restore the hearts mm-hmm. of the the fathers with their children. And turn the hearts of the children back to their fathers, and that's exactly what we've been done. And but, but to your point, we do. The church does need to rise up because if we are going to end the slaughter of these children, we need to come forth and and be that support care system and give uh, sacrificially too.
0: And A I think on point. the other side of that as well, as adoptive, an adopted child, there's three of us in our family, we're all adopted. You guys adopted. The other thing we can do on the other side of it is also to make it easier to adopt. Mm. Um, because my parents would have loved uh-huh. to adopt more children. It's unheard of that in the 70s, there's three of us, 70s right. and one from 82. Um, that's unheard of. It is more no, it's normal yeah. now. Um, But that's the other side of it that we also have to work on. It's a both-and approach, but it is, you're right, it's got to be the church because there are many people who are working in the industry that they're taking the Bible's admonition of not telling the left hand what the right hand is doing and not showing their good works like the Pharisees because they're like, I'm out there doing it. I'm not going to really tell you about it. Um, But the church does need to do a better job of saying these are all of the, and I will, I'll get it in the show notes so everybody Mm -hmm. can see it, and I'm sorry that I don't have my iPad pulled up to show you, all of the ways that we are helping, but from a legislative perspective, we can make it um, less arduous to adopt children and to get children from yeah. foster care. Um, there's a lot of work Absolutely. that we can do, but there's a lot of work that's being done right now. That it, that's the good news, right. and I'm glad you said that because it's yeah. really common for people sure. to say, "Well, you don't you don't care." Well, we do. Right. We really well, really say do. People,
3: do people, people accept it. People are going to have a hard time with the idea that that we make abortion a crime. Uh, but you also have to realize that we are not just like any other crime. Like, so first of all, it's already wholly inconsistent because if if I murder a pregnant woman, I'm already charged with a double homicide. Mm-hmm. Yet we don't want to harm. We don't want to char- charge a woman who maliciously and intentionally takes the life of her child even after the law has informed the conscience that what's in the womb is protected and it is a life Mm. so but we have to understand that just like any other crime that there's a trial right and during a trial you 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 determine what is the level of culpability was this Mm. woman a victim was she coerced by her husband Was she, was she uh, under slavery? Was she, you know, I mean that the sex slavery in America is unbelievable. Right. So, but that's what a trial is about is, is to get to the bottom of and to bring justice. And there's different levels of of like, so not every, not everything is a first degree murder charge. Right. So we have manslaughter charges we have. And so, but it's, it's unbelievable that I can kill somebody with, Mm -hmm. um, unintentionally with my vehicle and get a manslaughtering charge but in a lot of these states we you're really going to tell me that like for instance we just saw in uh, louisiana it's a, it's an equal protection bill that my friend jeff durbin just an in, in Apologia just put forth the current the current under the current other pro-life uh, law that they're trying to vote on it only made it a $1,000 crime to kill an unborn child. Do you know what the, do you, do you know what the crime to kill a dog in, the, in that state was? Mm-hmm. $25,000.
2: Yeah.
3: Are we kidding ourselves? Wow. If we honestly think that we care so little about children in the womb and call ourselves pro-life, <laughs> that we devalue the child in the blood of the child to where we think that it should only be a crime of a, of a the tune of $1,000 to take an innocent, unborn child's life. It's unbelievably inconsistent.
2: So a dog if is we, 25 we times more stand- valuable mm-hmm. than a child. Got it. Yeah.
3: If we, if we care about the lives of unborn children and we really think that they are equally human and equally valuable we have to be honest in and we have to be consistent with that so
1: i agree don't don't most of the states have laws that say if you do something that hurts your child mm-hmm. that you can be prosecuted like yeah. if you're taking drugs or whatever yes and sure and then at the same time Absolutely. to get out of that you could go and have an abortion the foster- and then yeah. you, then you're not guilty
3: anymore. It all
2: goes back to the definition of a person. What is a person? Right and, yeah. and, when, and whether you're life or not. When does begin? And and that's, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other a few days ago and and AJ you've been we're at an hour and 8 minutes. That's just insane. Right. It's yeah. flown by. Thank you so uh, much for being with us, but um sure. this podcast was talking about how They'll say, OK, well, at, at 15 weeks, it's not viable because it's a it's a potential life at that point. And the argument was, yeah. OK, well, a toddler is a potential adult, you know, like at what point do you cut? <laughs> well, you that used off? to think
1: that would win. But now they're saying, well, OK, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a, it's not an adult yet. It's not a person well, and this yet. This viability is a toddler.
3: standard. This viability standard is just asinine. So, you know, so just so everybody knows, Roe v. Wade was a a decision in 73 that protected uh, abortion for all nine months of pregnancy. Planned Parenthood versus Casey came in, and I believe 92, and established this viability standard that you can't take the life of a child if it's not viable, Um, which is unbelievably inconsistent because you're basically saying my, my value as a human being is dependent upon whether science has progressed to, to determine whether I can live or not. Right. So the viability standard in 73 was way, I mean, was, so now they're considering about 24 weeks, right. But now we, they're not even consistent with that because we can now, now 20, 21 weeks, we've saved children at 21 weeks gestation. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, so this, this understanding that you're valuable, if you're viable is is unbelievably inconsistent and just intellectually bankrupt right so so this my my friend Seth Gruber it puts it very well the issue and the spell that we're under is we've confused human value with human function Mm
2: -hmm.
3: right so so we're saying that humanity is not what is contingent upon your value it's something else it's your human function so we've we've chosen these arbitrary categories to to determine human value because you can, you can't deny that humanity is present, but you so we we've determined human value on something other than this this uh, this thing that is philosophically derived as personhood, right? So that we did this back in in the 1850s where where black people were human beings, but they weren't human persons. Mm-hmm because of the level of melanin in your skin so this this accidental property that we we attribute personhood to uh, something that is arbitrary and something that the state just derives so because you are of your size or because of your level of development because of your environment because of your degree of dependency right we are choosing these arbitrary categories that people may or not may or may not possess, instead of something that we all universally share, which is a human nature, a humanity. Right. And so we, we we've been doing this forever. The Nazis, it was IQ and skin color. Now it's location and level of development. Yeah. So it's wholly inconsistent, and it's just you know it, we claim to be people that are going off the science, but we totally ignore every science. Book, every embryology test book, just the clear science that human process, Mm -hmm. human development begins at the
1: No, you're right. We can't confuse
3: human value with human function.
1: You got it. AJ, thank you for your time, brother. I appreciate you being on Alabama Unfiltered Ladies. Any last words?
2: I actually have some last words. Are you surprised? I'm not surprised. (laughs) No, I just, um, we adopted for people in Birmingham or Alabama, our two children were adopted through Lifeline. Um, adoption Children services. And they have a great, my husband actually is on the national board. Um, they have a great adoption program. They have Lifeline Village, which cares for the mothers while they're pregnant, cares for the children. Like there is hope if you are out there and you are struggling with this decision of, of abortion or to keep your baby contact, it's lifelinechild.org. Um, I don't know. Email me. I'll put my email in the show notes. I don't care. Like there there's hope. There is not shame. There is grace. And um, there are people right here in Alabama that will help you in this time and kind of AJ what you're saying. I mean, the, the pro life side is ready um, to help contrary to what the world is saying. And I know Amy, Beth, you've been, you're super involved with a lot of this as well.
0: And I, you know what? I just want to echo that, that my birth mom was 17 and hid my pregnancy through her senior year of high school and got very little care. Um, And I'm just want to speak to the birth moms out there that you've just found out you're pregnant and you feel like this is the end of the world. And you think that you do not have any hope and that there, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, that's a lie. Um, there's a child that grows within you. Um, there's life ahead. There's a good life ahead. Um, but perhaps your circumstances will allow you to cry out and ask the Lord for help, because we have, we've all had to do that. Um, and we, we are here to help you. There are thousands upon thousands of people who want to help you um, in what feels like a very dark time in your life. Um, and, and so for those of you considering, like Allison said, aborting your baby, don't. we're here to help you, and we will walk with you through that um, right here in Alabama. I mean, it's just unbelievable, but all over the place. And if you want to find us on Facebook, like, I'll adopt your baby, like, if that's what you want. If you want a friend, like, just reach out to us on Facebook, okay. but just...
2: Okay, we're both ending the show <laughs> in tears. Um, way to go, AJ. <laughs> but so... so such a good and necessary discussion and um wait I can tell Scott has a heart too it's so sweet
1: I have allergies
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, this was such a blessing and thank you so much for being here and I know God will use this in an amazing way and prayers for you and protection for you and your family as you stand in the gap for all these kids and yeah I gotta throw it back to Scott or I'm gonna start crying again thanks okay. AJ
1: thanks ladies I appreciate y'all being on all of our viewers God, out there. You guys. One of the things that you definitely check out the, the show notes when you're giving us the five stars and stuff, because even if you're not from Alabama where we are, um, we can find somebody that will help you out. There's a pro-life group somewhere where you are, so get in touch with us if you you need to. Thank you for watching the program. We appreciate you telling other people about it. Like I said, give us a five stars. You can find us at all the places. You probably won't find this show at YouTube in a couple (laughs)
0: weeks or a few days. We are going to get kicked off. But
1: you'll find it at at most of the places. Thanks for watching. See y'all.